Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be speaking with Chris Fetty, Chief Executive Officer of Encryption Provider SafeNet. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Eric. Pleasure. How is encryption as a technology evolving? What's different today about encryption and how it's used than, say, five or ten years ago, and how will encryption evolve in the coming years? Encryption's uh, evolving in terms of how it's being used and how it's being used against current imminent threats. Everybody is learning just how insidious the, the threats are today. The advanced persistent threats are here. They're very sophisticated. They can do tremendous damage. And I think people are learning that encryption is one of the things that can be uh, used, one of the very strong tools that can be used against those uh, advanced persistent threats. And the reason is, is once you've encrypted information, whether that information is stolen, misplaced, lost, misused, that information is protected as long as it's encrypted. And so it really reduces the proper control of that information to one of how do you control the keys, not how do you control the information. Controlling the information itself, protecting it, hiding it, all of those things can be very difficult. That's exactly what the sophisticated threats do is they find the information. They get around the walls. They get through the walls. When encryption is used to protect the information, what you have to manage is the keys to the encryption, which reduces the field of uh, sophistication needed to that. And so that's how people are using it more and more today is to, to change the nature of how you protect the information. Now, is that what encryption was doing 10 years ago? 10 years ago, it was used in limited cases. It was used to move information from point A to point B, and that was against the unsophisticated threat so that you could put information out on uh, public transport mechanisms like the Internet, for example. So it was used in a much more limited scope. Now, you're more toward data at rest, or that, at rest, or is that something that is... A is that different from who was 10 years ago? Yes, it is different. It's, it's now used so that it's independent of whether data is at rest or not. Whether data is at rest or in movement is, is irrelevant to the encryption itself. And so that's why, again, it, it makes it more of a ubiquitous solution to a very sophisticated threat in that manner. It shines a light on the other very relevant aspect, especially in today's environment, which is identification and authorization, who has access to what information. That is something you read about every time you pick up a newspaper, especially now because there's been some breaches, there's been some vulnerabilities due to the way identities are managed, and identity management, authorization, and encryption all go hand-in-hand hand to form today's current methodology of protection against threats. As you just alluded to, encryption has gotten a lot of attention recently, mostly because of files pilfered by hackers that had not been encrypted. For example, I think it's with the Sony case uh, in the PlayStation breach, it encrypted customer credit card information, but not the personal identifiable information. What do you hear from customers and others for reasons why organizations don't fully use encryption? I would say there's a couple different answers to that. One is people can be unaware of the threat. It really is surprising. People see other hacks. I mean, there's been high-level uh, breaches ever since TJ Maxx, WikiLeaks, uh, like you say, uh, Sony, and people still don't recognize that it, it applies to them too. And part of that also is these advanced threats are very quiet. Their whole goal is to steal information silently so that the 
person losing information is unaware of it. And so I think people just don't recognize that the threat is real and the target could very well be them. They don't have an appreciation for how imminent, how insidious, how right in their own backyard this problem really could be. And so part of it is that. Part of it is if people can find a way to meet regulatory requirements through policy, that's usually their first approach because that's more comfortable, right? Any organization is used to dealing with policies and used to dealing with government regulations through how they address the rules and regulations and audits and things like that. And so they kind of take that approach first because it's a familiar approach to them. But as we all know, that's not going to protect against uh, the theft of information. So in other words, they may be under certain requirements to encrypt uh, financial information such as credit card numbers, but they may not be under the same kind of rules to encrypt birth dates or addresses or email addresses? Uh, Well, you bring up a great point there because right now the PCI requirements require you to actually encrypt certain information like credit card uh, information. Once you've been forced to encrypt, once the regulations say encrypt this piece of data, that is actually the best learning tool because then people that are start to use encryption because they have to, realize that, you know what, not only do I have credit card information to protect, I have intellectual property to protect. I have personal information on my employees to protect. Once they learn to encrypt because they don't have a choice, they are the people that start using encryption in more and more places and getting more and more protection by using encryption technologies. It's that first step. How do you encrypt? How do you implement it? And what's the benefits of it? That's that's the first hurdle that, that people have to get over. They have to understand that that's a solution more than simple policy management. In determining what to encrypt, I mean, aren't there situations where if you encrypt a lot of data, it makes it harder to perhaps even share that information with people who might need it at some point? Yes. So it is very important to encrypt the sensitive information because if you encrypt things that don't need to be encrypted, you run into a lot of issues. It's harder to share information, or can be anyway. It can slow down your processes. I would say that security in general and encryption in particular should enhance your business processes. You should be able to use encryption. You should be able to use security to make your business processes more efficient, specifically meeting government regulations and things like that. But if you use it wrong and and you try to apply it where it shouldn't be applied, then you get in the way of business processes. You get in the way of smooth operational efficiencies. So, yes, you need to understand what information should be protected through encryption technologies and then do it very well. Deciding what information should be encrypted, who in organizations should be making that decision? As one member of senior management, I think it has to be an executive decision because it ranges from intellectual property to personal information to, uh, you know, things like that. And, and really, you need to be in an executive level within an organization to make a broad determination on what needs to be protected and, and what really doesn't need to be protected. Obviously, you get inputs from your compliance officer. You get inputs from your IT and your CISO. But my uh, way of thinking, it's an executive decision on on the breadth of security requirements within a company. Is the cost to encrypt becoming prohibitive or, or less prohibitive these days? 
The cost is almost never prohibitive. I think we have found that if you try to meet government regulations through policy and try to meet it through encryption, uh, the costs are comparable and, and, and sometimes favorable. So it is not a cost issue in, in, in my experience. What do you say to a client who may want to use your products, uh, but I have to show sort of an ROI return on investment from it because, you know, how do you, how do you show that you're safeguarding something that could cost you if it were not safeguarded? You come at it two ways. One is uh, here's the cost of safeguarding information using encryption technologies. Here's the cost of safeguarding information with other technologies. And in the event that you have to protect the information, it does kind of boil down to that. There are different ways to do it. What's the cost associated with the various ways? But the second consideration is what's the cost of a breach? So everybody, no matter what business you're in, whether you have regulatory overhang or not, everybody has to say what is the cost of a breach? Now, in the U.S., it's a patchwork of answers, right? There's not a federal answer to who has to uh, report breaches, what has to be disclosed. There's not a, a uniform answer, but a company has to has to consider if I if I have lost information, personal information, intellectual property, what are, what are the consequences? What are the costs of that? And that will always factor into a return on investment also. And as, as anybody that reads a paper knows, the costs of breaches are just going irreversibly skyward. It's just a very expensive proposition. We have the threat of losing that kind of information. Surveys show that most organizations have been breached in some respect. You know, is encryption an end-all? I mean, is it, if you encrypt things, you're, you're safe, or is, is that a little too simplistic way to approach it? I'll have to preface it with if it's implemented well. Encryption moves the vulnerability to how do you manage the keys. And I will say that if you've got a professionally designed encryption system, an enterprise that is architected to accommodate encryption systems, and it's well designed, then the answer is yes. You have, in fact, solved the problem. Hmm. Interesting. So does this sort of make uh, cloud computing safe? It can, yes. It, it, it'll be prefaced with the same thing. It has to be implemented well. It has to be designed in. It can't be screwed on. You know, it can't be screwed in at the end like a light bulb is. It has to be architected in. But encryption is exactly the kinds of uh, kind of technology that can make cloud operation safe because it means the security goes with the information. It doesn't it doesn't have to go through uh, any kind of mechanisms. It's just the security goes with the information. If the information is in the enterprise, it's protected. The encryption protects it. If it's moving outside the enterprise because it's being remotely accessed or being stolen or being sent to the cloud, the protection goes with it. That is the nature of the encryption. And who gets access to it? What what keeps that encryption the proper uh, protective mechanism? It's back to where we were a, a minute ago. It is who has access to it, and how do you know that that person that's accessing it has the rights to access it? So you've got to you've got to have identity and authorization that extend into the cloud, so that the key management can extend into the cloud. And if both of those are properly implemented. That information in the cloud can be out there securely. And does this go for the public cloud or any, any type of cloud model? Yes, it does. So should the Defense Department uh, be feel secure of maintaining very sensitive information, classified information on a public cloud if it's properly executed? 
if well, you use the word storage, and I would I would give you an unqualified answer on that. Yes, there are ways that you could store classified information in the cloud. The reason I I can say that's an unqualified answer is you're never using that information that's at, that, that's in the cloud. You're simply storing it out there. It is not vulnerable while it's out there. It's only vulnerable uh, or can be rendered vulnerable when you're doing something with it, which, of course, in a, in a cloud storage scenario, it's not being uh, acted upon in the cloud. Uh, I would say, though, in a, in, to answer your question specifically, if you're going to make a a blanket statement about the government using clouds with classified information, the answer is no, because you really want to run applications in the cloud, cloud computing in the cloud, and there's a, there's other layers of and other complexities to protecting the information when you're running applications. And so doing those in the cloud, uh, at least with technologies today, that would be not appropriate for classified information. Thanks, Chris. My pleasure. I've been speaking with Chris Fede, Chief Executive Officer of Encryption Provider SafeNet for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.